0: from noble robot on east hennepin avenue in pragmatic minneapolis this is nice games club the show where nice game devs talk games and game development i'm ellen verns johnson and i make nice games
1: i'm Stephen mcgregor and i make nice games and i'm mark Lacroix. i too make nice games
0: this week i'm back from the serious play conference with a report on the event and uh some interviews that i conducted on site so that's cool so everyone's ready let's start
1: How is Toronto? Toronto's so cool. I know, right?
2: It's so cool.
1: I'm so jealous.
2: <laughs> you go to Toronto, Steven. Yeah, next time. Um, Just stuff me in the back.
0: <laughs> Bring me with I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, Toronto is like, I don't know if like I... Took, like, Seattle and mashed it up with this, like with Minneapolis, kind of?
1: Yeah, it does. I had, the first time I went there, I was like, this is sort of, like, feels like home a little what?
0: bit. A little bit. Oh, man, yeah. I
1: love Seattle.
0: Yeah. Aww. It's a little bit like that. Okay. But that's a
1: good yeah, cross with that, for sure. Yeah, okay. there's no
0: ocean, but there isn't a big lake nearby, yeah. not yeah. too far away.
1: Yeah, it's a lake city, and you know I prefer river cities, but <laughs> yes. still, I love Toronto. Mm. Um,
0: mm. The public transit is... Amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, thank goodness.
0: So amazing. I didn't get lost once. I just cool. followed what Google told me. It was super easy to get the card, and I swept it on the right things, and I paid the money, and I went to the places. It was really, really easy. Um, despite that, I did get some pretty wicked blisters. because <laughs> <laughs> I brought boots that I thought were really cute, but they were also a recent purchase, so they hadn't oh, been broken no. in yet. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. That was mistake number one. <laughs> um, mistake number two – also had nothing to do with the public transportation, but the lodging that I chose, I was like, oh, okay, I want to be like, I want to be cognizant of expenses right now. And just not overspend and like, lodging in Toronto is expensive. And uh, so I tried to choose something that was cheap and I really wish that I had not oh. <laughs> um, I don't want to go into more detail, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. read the reviews and listen, <laughs> read the reviews. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, I did see... We went through Bloor Station. Yay! Nice. I took a bunch of pictures and I sent them to you guys. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, and then I guess the other thing that I noticed about Toronto, first of all, lots of cafes. Really cool. Yeah. Lots of good cafes. There's one cafe that I visited called Page One mm-hmm. and their decor was typewriters.
1: <laughs> like... Nice.
0: They had shelves of... Books that were like, you know, the generic like sets of books that you can get where the titles are all worn off mm-hmm. and they're like not even right. If you tried to open the books up, the pages would fall out because they're so old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And really the only purpose that those books serve now is to look good on a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, the purpose was to look good on a shelf and also to like frame up all the antique typewriters that they had on this in this cafe and that's it was awesome. they had typed out like one line of like poetry or a quote on, mm-hmm. on each typewriter in one like one by oh, one page right. and so you could like walk around the whole uh, cafe while you were waiting for your coffee and like read the different one-liners and okay
1: that's pretty cool. yeah it was pretty neat that's
0: i got rad. yeah look, i got a picture i'll put it up on the show notes um so it was cool and then the other thing i noticed is like all the squirrels in toronto are melanistic squirrels like, they all are black squirrels.
1: Yeah, I noticed that, too. That's totally yeah, wild. it's crazy.
0: We have, like, we have black squirrels here in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. but most of them are still gray squirrels. Mm-hmm. And the name of this, like, the common name of the species is gray squirrel. Yeah. Right? But then you could they can get, get different color morphs. So like, sometimes you have, like, um, leucistic squirrels that are have a whiter color, or albino squirrels, which are completely white with the red eyes. And then you also have melanistic squirrels, which are, like, black fur, really dark fur. And in Toronto, I think I saw, like, 25 squirrels or something like that and one of them was a gray squirrel. They were all other they were all gray squirrels in terms of the species. I didn't see any gray squirrels. But they were yeah. black squirrels. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So there's that's pretty cool. That was really neat. I took there's like I think I took a video and it was like just
1: black squirrels over the park. Yeah.
0: Pretty cool. I like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess we do have them here. They're just not really common.
0: Yeah, they're they're not yeah, they're not that common. I mean, they're not I guess uncommon would be a good way to say it. Yeah. Like yeah. I take the dogs for walks, and maybe once a week I'll see a melanistic squirrel, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. But most of them are still like your standard grayish, brownish. Yeah.
1: Well, when squirrel. you like when you go to cities, like there's like city wildlife that's kind of the same all over. If you're not paying a lot of attention, mm-hmm. and but when you look close, it's like, oh right, it's a different part of the world. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I guess. That's the thing that's like interesting to me. It might be because it's like a denser city mm-hmm. that the environment is more artificial and so that like creates some selection pressure for a darker fur color. Oh. I don't know.
1: Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't guess that. But I don't have a better guess.
0: Well, I know that's happened to like moths before. There's yeah. that one example with like the moths because of the smog in London, the moths turn mm-hmm. like from white to gray or like dark dark, dark grey. Mm-hmm. Um and squirrels have a much faster, like, breeding cycle than we do. So you would, I, I don't know. Someone's got to, someone do a study. There isn't already a study. <laughs> someone do a study on the squirrels of Toronto. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was that was my trip to Toronto, the city.
2: Right, but you went there for a reason.
0: I did. I went there for a reason, and that reason was a serious play conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there on Tuesday, my like Tuesday afternoon, to saturday morning and the conference was wednesday thursday friday okay so i was there a little bit early uh and a little bit later because i wanted to volunteer so i helped a little bit with setup and I helped with a little bit of teardown mm-hmm. i helped with registration on tuesday night and on thursday m- or wednesday morning which was pretty hectic um but good and uh then yeah for the rest of the rest of the conference um answered some questions at the, like the like the registration table between sessions but most of the time i was in the sessions themselves like mm-hmm. learning stuff cool meeting people learning stuff so there were like six different tracks of content and you could bounce between the two so be, like some conferences if they're really big you have to sometimes register for a track ahead of time yeah this was not like that you could it just each track had its own kind of focus so there was like um you know, like employee development. There was a healthcare track. There was like a game and instructional design track. There was a higher ed track, um, using games in K-12. And then there was a tech tutorials for game designers. It's like developer advice mm-hmm. track. And so each one of those tracks, all the sessions took place in the same room. Oh, okay. so sure. if you were really interested in just one track and that's it, you could just park in that one room and stay Yeah. Ah. for three days, pretty much. Um, I mean, they'd kick you out at the end of the day, but you could come back and get your spot. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. And then they had different things on Wednesday and Thursday night. So Wednesday, they had a dine around where you could sign up to go out to dinner with one of the speakers. Yeah. Like one of the session oh, hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not do that because it was D&D night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And for various reasons, I didn't want to skip D&D night even though I was traveling. So I called in on Discord and we did a remote session.
2: And mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was pretty cool. How did that go? Did you Did you? kill the goblins or whatever oh, I
1: didn't. <laughs> sorry no never mind <laughs> answer your father did you kill the goblins?
0: Um, I'm trying to, like completely different context is like pulling from a part of my brain i know that's cooldown. why i
2: immediately regretted it yeah, like, oh, we
0: did some stuff
2: you
1: killed the goblins it's fine
0: yeah okay. we did actually we fought some fire toddlers no they were like fire teens
1: Mm-hmm. that's about all i need to know
2: <laughs> yeah
0: magma teens we made friends okay and they left all right <laughs> so that's the report from wednesday night mm-hmm. cool cool d and d yep which was not had nothing to do with the conference <laughs> um so yeah i missed the diner rounds and i'm bummed by that As so hopefully we'll have hopefully they'll have the same thing at the next next year's conference they've yeah. been doing this is an annual conference mm-hmm. during covid they did it online um the uh, the organizer is stepping down after this year. She's retiring. And so I think she's going to try to find someone to pass the torch to. So they're going to probably, the co- conference will continue. Um, it might take different shapes as yeah. new leadership takes over. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah maybe next year they'll have dine again and I'll be able to go out to eat. Cool. Or maybe it'll be d night again and I'll have to do that. <laughs> um, on Thursday night, Thursday was a long day. So I got there like before 8 or like right at 8 mm. around that time to help. With re-registration and answer questions, yeah, and I didn't leave the campus until like nine p.m. because oh it was like more like nine thirty. Mm-hmm. They had this demo night, so like everyone, there were like uh, exhibitionists who came in and like demoed their game oh. in this particular like creative hall in the university. Yeah, and you, so you could come in as a participant in the conference just between sessions or over the lunch hour or after the end of the day after the last session, and you could play people's games. Um, but for Thursday night, they just kept that going for like four hours, oh, <laughs> yeah, so like there was just it was just packed with all these different games and of all different sorts, so, like there were v r games there were v r games that were like intended for therapeutic reasons to like train your eye muscles in a specific way, and there were card games about like dealing with self care and having to manage all the stuff in your life that takes away your emotional energy there yeah. was like environmental games, there was a game that was set up in like Second Life about learning uh, stories and listening to stories, so that you could become like work towards licensure and, as a therapist. Huh. Tons of cool stuff.
2: That's I really like that last one. That's a really cool
0: yeah concept. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat, and I I'll put links to a lot of these things in the um in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely more than I could possibly, and there was more than I could possibly play.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, right. Yeah.
0: Way more than I could possibly play. And yeah. so, um, I'll link to all the ones that I did play in the show notes. And then some of the ones that I didn't play, I will also link in the show notes because so you can go check them out. There's like, there's some really cool stuff. Um, and maybe we'll get some of their creator, the game's creators on the show in the future. And mm-hmm. that'd be really neat. Yeah. Um, so that was Thursday. So I stayed for the end of that. And then I helped clean up. And then Friday was the end of the conference, full day of sessions and then <laughs> helped tear down. And then, went home back to the hotel early and fell asleep
2: because
0: <laughs> mm. it was it's a lot yeah it's a lot of information you know like it's you're either learning something new in a session or you're socializing i mean it felt a lot like gdc just relentless yeah stimulus yeah yeah for so. sure. and then blisters on your feet <laughs> um yeah so some of i just to give you i think i i think i did a preview of these uh before you know a couple like a few weeks ago But some of the sessions that I went to, I went to like, um, let's see here, Learning Analytics for Serious Games. Um, So if you've ever heard of XAPI, that's what that one was about. Um, We talked about educating about logical fallacies and manipulative language. This was such a cool game. This is one of the games I played at the demo night. Yeah. Oh. They basically like, so you, you, they. That they took the context and made it so different from the way that you normally have to think about this stuff. Because mm-hmm. normally when you're thinking about teaching someone about logical fallacies and manipulative language, it's like in the context of reading the news or reading media. Yeah. Well, they put you in the role of a character that's on a ship of Viking raiders. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you have to use manipulative language to convince the other, member of, other members of the crew to go along with your plan instead of... The things that they want to do, oh. and they have weak like they have logical fallacies that they're weak to, mm-hmm. and you have logical fallacies that they're weak to, and so you have to like correctly um, notice and identify which logical fallacies are being used, so that you can either make yourself immune to what they're using, or you can capture what it, it was really okay. really hard a hard game, mm. but really effective, and it was really cool. So they had an awesome like well built out prototype.
1: That's really neat, and so it, it yeah. abstracts away those rhetorical devices into game mechanics, yeah. rather than forcing you to role play it.
0: Well, no, they make you role play it too, yeah. because it's a dialogue selection.
1: Oh okay, okay. oh, okay. So, but
0: it's dialogue that's written within the context of that story. Yeah, yeah. So it's completely divorced from anything that you'd be looking at, like in ex- experiencing in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, a means of teaching the specific logical fallacies first. Because right, like if you can identify them clearly and know their names when you're reading it in this fictional context, then you're more well suited to be able to identify it yeah. in a realistic context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was really cool, and um, I hope to have those guys on the show at some point as well. It was, it was hard. It was a hard game. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and really great art, like really great art. Cool. cool. Anyway,
1: yeah.
0: So that was one. Did you do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some generative generative AI stuff mm-hmm. um and
1: cause there's gotta be a little bit of that everywhere gotta now be a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: gotta be a little bit of that mm-hmm. action adventure games so this was kind of cool there's like the the idea of using storytelling but also like trying to map out not just the emotional experience but like the transformation like the spiritual transformation mm-hmm. of the player and that, um, I got a, a uh, more in depth interview with Dr. David Chandras, who was one of the speakers in that session. Um, and so we're gonna look into that and we're gonna listen to some of that in the uh, second half of this episode, mm-hmm. um, where he talks a little bit about what that is. Um, he uses a term called metanoia, which is oh. new for me. Okay. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's just like a lot of really, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, far more than i haven't been been able to process since i got back yeah Yeah. um this is what monday and the friday that i'm talking about where i went back to the hotel and crashed was like two days ago
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah right, right. right.
0: i'm still like recovering so there's a lot for me to think through and and process but um,
2: i'm sure it will all this stuff will like come up in future episodes yeah You, you know it'll be on your mind and you'll have processed it a little bit better
0: yeah i think my next um my next task is to like Look at my notes and kind of distill what I took away from it, um, and share that with some uh, people at my company. Yeah, because cool. um, it's like, all right, we want to do serious games. This is where the rest of the industry is. Where's our Where's our niche?
2: I'm honestly surprised that they didn't like ship you over there. What? They have like to like paid for your trip.
0: Oh, they did. They paid for They paid for it.
2: Oh. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. that's great. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> we don't make enough money for that to happen from me yet, but <laughs> one <Eventually>. day maybe.
0: <laughs> Eventually. Well, yeah. I mean, like, as an aside, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to, like, not spend so much on the hotel is, yeah. like.
2: Oh, is it because a, the company was paying for it?
0: Well, the company was paying for it, yeah. And, like, it wasn't, like, me and a bunch of other people going. It was just me. Sure. And so I wanted to just be conscious of that. Um, and I, I regret that. Yeah. I should have been more selfish. <laughs> I really should have. Um, anyway,
1: yeah. Well, you were talking about some of the sessions you went to, and I was looking on the website, and it says there are recordings of the sessions. Oh! Mm-hmm. Um, but when I try to purchase them, I'm led... Anyway, let's talk about this website.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh, Mark. The website's really bad. Yeah. So the it may be that the conference sessions are not available to purchase yet because um, they have yet to be processed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: But the website
1: itself. Well, web- what, what actually happens is when you click to purchase, and this is for past years as well, you're taken to an Eventbrite listing that has ended. So there's actually no way to do it. Okay.
2: Oh.
0: I will let them know.
1: So I think there's just... I think that might be just broken. in advance. Yeah. Um, but just I, be broken. I bring it up because you did want to talk about this website.
0: It, the website's very bad. Yeah. They need to do better.
1: Right. And I think that's definitely something that when you're a conference, especially for um, a more specialized field, that can be really a struggle if you don't have like good tools and yeah. information. And like, yeah. you know, we, can, we came back from Gen Con. We complained to no end about how like badly that's communicates things but there's also so many people there yeah. that information gets around. Yeah. Um, I think for smaller events like you have to I think uh, really invest Yeah, in stuff like that. And this. I mean this is the first thing that people will see when they're looking up the conference,
2: right? Yeah. right. You, if you haven't
1: experienced it before. And for like folks listening to the show who are like want to learn more
2: yeah. it's a barrier to entry. Right. Yeah. Right, we're recommending it because Ellen goes all the time, but, like, no, <laughs> otherwise first, it would this, have been hard for us to This is the recommend. first
0: year I've attended it in person. I've attended yeah. virtually in the past, and I've right. volunteered virtually in the past, but this okay. is the first year I was able to attend in person. And yeah. it's interesting because, like, it's a traveling conference. It's not at the same location every year. Right. This uh, is the first. Okay. What What Sue, the organizer, has done in the past is she's tried to move it around the continent to kind of highlight different game-based learning programs mm. around oh, the okay. continent okay. or on North America. Yeah. Um. And I think that's been really fantastic. So, like, you move it around the area, then maybe people who couldn't travel from, like, yeah, California to New York, maybe it's easier for them to travel from California to Santa Fe or something like that, yeah, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, Has
2: there ever been a conference here? Because we have a history of games.
0: I think if they were going to do something in the Midwest, they'd probably have it in Madison. Oh, okay. Because they've got a stronger. They have
2: a stronger game development ha- scene. They
0: have a stronger now. game development scene overall, but also they have a really strong history of like educational yeah. games.
2: Oh, do they too? Yeah. Oh well, right. Because there's um filament
1: games.
0: Filament games is there. There's some other programs as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So. We we have a history, yeah. but not a current. Uh sort of established industry right. in educational.
0: Yeah. Areas. We're definitely like in orbit around Madison when it comes to that. Yeah. So I think that if they were going to do it somewhere in the Midwest, it'd probably be there. It'd be but, great for them. You should volunteer to organize, you
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is it generally partnered with universities? Cause this was held at a, at a university. I
0: think so. Yeah, yeah okay. I think so. And it's, I w- it's interesting because it, some of the topics definitely were more academic. Like mm. one of the sessions I went to was like using puzzle, Puzzle Mechanics for Teaching Math. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um And he, like, I don't know if you guys remember those, like, triangles and squares that you could make into different shapes. You guys remember, like, you look like, at, like, a 2D, like, and you get, like, a square and you have to figure out how to turn four triangles into a square by moving them around on the
2: uh, something grams. Uh, no, I grams. don't remember what that specific thing is called.
0: Whatever. Anyway. Okay, <laughs> That was, acad- it's, like, academic. It's, like, sure. K-12 and educator. Yeah. But also, like, this is... Something that he, as a professor, developed for K-12 education. Yeah. So there was a lot of the, some of the sessions. Um, many of the sessions had a more academic mm-hmm. bent sure. than you might find at, like, GDC. Got it. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's been mostly hosted at universities, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. To our benefit this time, because I got to see the Red Bull Gaming Hub. Ooh. <laughs> which is, I think, the last thing I'll mention before we go to the break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, you guys! We will post some pictures to this, but this is like. Mind blowing. Um, so none of the conference sessions were held here because because it was too cool. It was too cool <laughs> <laughs> because you don't want to just let some like Joe Schmo off the street who's like sleep sleep deprived and over caffeinated into this amazing, very you, expensive room. <laughs>
2: are you describing yourself, Ellen? <laughs> yeah.
0: They They did let me into that room. Okay, <laughs> and I very Fair deliberately, yeah, I very deliberately. <laughs> Jeff, who is the manager yeah. of the um of the Red Bull Gaming Hub and a bunch of other things in Toronto and at the university, he's like, normally I wouldn't let you have that in here, but you're an adult. I'm like, mm. so I put it over on the side of the room <laughs> on the on the countertop where the fridge is full of free Red Bull. Where <laughs> I just left it over there while he gave you the rest of the tour. But this place is like wired up, huh. like like top of the line. Um, top of the line processors like yeah. their entire like the entire room was I think funded uh, by Red Bull yeah. and so they've got cool lighting and they've got cool displays it's got really cool paint they even have little lockers for people oh. and um, during the day when the university is in session it was like finals prep weeks yeah. when I was there so no one was on campus really but um they have classes there and then at like six PM the classes end and their varsity esports team comes in and plays. Yeah. Uh. So their team is uh plays Overwatch and they're like really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so they have like little lockers there, like a locker room right next to and then you have like all the RGB you can imagine. <laughs> it was so warm in there. <laughs> it's just like the power of all these computers like well,
1: i'm glad they get some use out of it during the day for classes at least they yeah. <laughs> use those computers for something worthwhile yeah they're teaching,
0: <laughs> they're teaching new media and game development in that classroom
1: oh cool is okay. what they're doing nice. yeah
0: yeah it's not like powerpoint
1: yeah well i mean <laughs> well, i mean the my longtime criticism of esports is that it's sports yeah and, yeah. and that's poison in educational context mm-hmm. um like you know why why not put Okay, that's, now we're not putting the RGB in the library, but, like, why aren't those computers in the library? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. But if they're using that Red Bill money and they're decking out a computer lab, making real use of it, yep. mm, you know, it's the, uh, you know, you uh, dance the devil, I guess. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I mean, it was pretty cool.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm rate. not trying to take anything away from nope. how cool it was. It was definitely
0: cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I didn't take a class in there, right? So I can't speak to the educational Right, they probably turned um, the RGB impact.
1: off for that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> No way, <laughs> Red Red Bull and um, AMD. Like, I think AMD like just donated all the systems. Yeah. So yeah. like, they're not going to turn off that RGB. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Advertisement. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's part of the contract. You, it's,
0: can't, you must not the turn off. Gotta leave that like, on. We'll give you the room. AMD will give you the the hardware. You've got to pay the electric bill. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so we've got like audio the like special audio so you can like turn up the like the feed if you're showing like video of a game or a match or something up there and you're a professor talking over it you can like adjust the anyway it lots of cool stuff yeah and yeah just lots of cool stuff i'm just still really tired from that trip <laughs> like, i'm just gonna say cool stuff over and over again but we'll post some pictures of the space and you can look it up on the university website and you'll see how cool it is
2: I was going to say, like, it's getting colder. It is. Like, that's the opposite of what you want. Why do you want a t-shirt?
1: All right. Sorry, listeners. Weather talk. <laughs> Weather we're, we're, this, is, this is what you do in the Midwest. Yep. It's like we, to talk we about had, like, 80-degree days. Yep. And then we had no fall. Yep. And now it's, like, 42. Yep. <sighs> Minnesota life. Right. So you got to put on some layers. hmm But what's on what's that bottom layer? Ah, that's where you a get it. A comfy t-shirt.
2: Yep. Yeah. nice t-shirt right there. We got a nice games club t-shirt. Got the logo. It's nice and warm and cozy. Mm-hmm. Not as warm as a, a sweater, but like if you get a nice jacket over it, it looks real good.
1: Yeah, as mm-hmm. it ticks down a little bit, it provides you a little extra insulation yep. on your way to the cold, bitter winter. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like you can layer on and layer on, but if the thing that's right next to you isn't comfy and like
1: cozy. I feel like this shirt and like three or four scarves ought to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: For... Actually, you know what? It's an interest. it's a good transition between, because like this is the time of the year where like, people's like eating inside is messed up mm-hmm. it's too hot inside and too cold outside yeah mm-hmm. like you put on a nice a bunch of layers people can't see the t-shirt you go you get into a place though you take the stuff off people are like whoa what's that t-shirt you know it'll be good it'll be good <laughs>
1: guaranteed that will happen to you <laughs> yes <laughs> okay well i mean brilliant pitch aside uh let's say our, our listener is sold on getting one of these mm-hmm. how may they find one
2: you can go to nicegamesclub shirt find her up there
3: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Okay, so having kind of given you guys uh, an overview of the conference Mm -hmm. um, and other things, did I mention that the Gaming Hub had free Red Bull? (laughs) I did mention that, right? You did. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) uh i did uh three kind of in-depth conversations with some of the presenters who were at the conference um and i honestly did not have time to do much more than that like it was pretty slammed but uh, i'm hoping to have again i think i mentioned this earlier i'm hoping to have some of the speakers and some of the uh exhibitors at the conference come onto the show in the future um if not this year because this year's kind of running out um then next year so they can talk about their work Mm -hmm. and yeah. So for the next half of this episode, we're going to do, um, uh, my interview with Dr. David Chandras. He's a scholar in residence, uh, of gamification and mixed reality at TMU. He's a high energy guy and he, he's the one who was talking about metanoia. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think that the thing that I took away from that was, uh, how we can plan for metanoia. So we'll listen to that interview and then, um, we'll talk a little bit about what that means and then the, um, the two other in-depth interviews I did, um, one was with Rose Hussin. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. Uh, she's an instructional architect out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Yay, Midwest. And she runs Brave Space. And she has a program that's like a multi-week workshop, I guess, mm-hmm. where you gamify your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unlike other things that I've experienced. because I look at a lot of gamification apps and things like that, yeah. just as part of you know my work and kind of know where, where things are with that space. This yeah. is really it felt really different. And she and I talked about it in the ways that this is different. Um, and so we'll have uh we'll have that conversation um as the last part of this particular episode. And then uh, I also spoke with Jennifer Javornick. She's an executive at Filament Games. That's out of Madison, Wisconsin. Again, yay Midwest. And she's like the chief partnerships officer or chief partnerships liaison out of our our fulfillment games. And so she works with, you know, their big, um, big partners to fund games and to get them promoted and things like that. And they, um, they do really good stuff. So we had a good long conversation that is not going to be part of this episode. We're going to give that its own episode. Uh, which I think we're going to try to do next week. Yeah. So that's, that's the next thing. So, um, coming up, we're going to have my conversation with Dr. David Chandras. Hey, this is Ellen again. I'm working through the editing and I've realized that the audio quality that I captured on site is not super great. It gets kind of scratchy in certain parts. So I have done my best to edit it in a way that makes it possible for you to follow the conversation. Um, but apologies in advance that it's not super great. Sorry again, and thanks for listening. Okay, we're rocking. All right, David, what's your story?
4: Hello, I'm David Chandros. I'm a uh, professor of digital media in the area of serious games uh, here at Toronto Metropolitan University. Uh, I do a lot of work in emergency analysis and assessment I've just finished four years with the United Nations, the first year with, with the UN World Food Program, where we built a half-a-million-dollar game for training people in food security. And food security has changed a lot. I'm getting to another point. But it's no longer dropping food and going for the hmm. – you know, it's it's understanding the, what the indigenous people want first. And hmm. then you move on. So how do you do that? besides said a 40-page manual for field staff. And then we went on and just picked up a World Health Organization where we built the game design unit. And that began in an interesting way. We were looking at mass casualty. Hmm. Uh, developing games to handle mass casualty incidents. And so I started working with Dr. Nelson Aline, who's a world famous uh, uh, trauma surgeon. And so World Health Organization has started what's called the World Health Organization Learning Academy. Okay. It used to be that WH had hundreds of courses all through it all over the world, open convention one academy, mm-hmm. funded by a $100 million grant from uh, France okay. to build an academy in Lyon, France. So they brought me in for game design, and now we have a game design team of uh, four staff and a decent budget and now almost all learning materials that come out of WHO will either be in the form of a game of learning materials. And then I left there and now I'm working with Emergency Ontario. And I'm working with the indigenous colleges in Ontario. These are First Nations people living on reservations okay. in the area of social work and digital media and uh, doing some work with marginalized women, uh, using gamification for needs assessment, working with cultural awareness for children so I move around as a serious game designer in what I would call humanitarian digital.
0: That's amazing. And like so broad. <laughs> like an intimidating breath. Yeah. I also a, build
4: guitars and erase parakeets.
0: And apparently you're a makeup artist as well at some an point. X X-1. one. X-1. The skill set's in there somewhere. The skill set. Yeah. It's probably in there somewhere. <laughs> Maybe not on display this week, but yeah. Um, not saying you don't look great. Anyway. So I went to your session earlier today cool um we're on day two of the serious play conference and um i have blisters on my feet and my brain feels like it has blisters inside of it because there's just been so much going on um but lots of really good ideas your session was probably one of then this is the wrong word because i thought it was really easy to follow but there was a lot of stuff to think about mm-hmm. and i think i walked away from that session with a lot more that i wanted to revisit you know mm-hmm. i wrote down tons of things i'm like okay i want to come back to this and think about mm-hmm. it one of the big ideas that you brought up mm-hmm. um, and we talked about digging into during our conversation today is this idea of metanoia mm-hmm. and to me metanoia sounds like paranoia <laughs> it's not the same thing what's Metanoia and why should we care about it as game designers?
4: It's really cool and I'm glad you asked about that because it's more kind of a mission to build that into games So <laughs> metanoia means to change one's point of view or self to have a spiritual excursion to become more It's an old term that came from Socrates. Um, Aristotle, mm-hmm. Plato made reference to it, okay. Greek terminology. So that's kind of what metanoia is about. It's become you becoming a better you. A spirituality in the Harris sense of the word, not necessarily a religious calling, but a sense that we have some drive to derive meaning from our life mm-hmm. and to make cosmological sense of our life. And so metanoia and game design, that would bring those as core elements to it. So that's what I think the innovation is that it becoming a game about spiritual stuff. It yeah. could be a game about how to repair a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. But why are you repairing a motorcycle? Like, is it because you need a job? Or is there something more that you bring to the person with the motorcycle that elevates their experience of life? So are we not just healers? So mm-hmm. metadoya might preserve that almost all of us have the capacity to create transformation mm-hmm. in ourselves.
0: I'm laughing because my favorite book is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, mm-hmm. and so I just love yeah. a good motorcycle metaphor. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, so you're talking about spiritual journey as almost a sort of design pillar that really should be considered early on in the process of ideation. That's so
4: insightful. Yeah. Absolutely. That puts it better than I've ever put it. Well, you can steal it. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Copyrighted. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, you're precisely yeah. what you're talking
3: about. Yeah. Not
4: religious design. Right. And spiritual, we could talk a lot about what that is, but it has elements that I think if we read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, um, mythological structures. Mm -hmm. Humanity has always tried to ask, why are we here and what am I doing? And even if I can't answer why I'm here, like am I a biological organism? or I Mm -hmm. I think the question is kind of, who am I? And it gets harder to answer. Mm -hmm. I have less answers than I did before, but I think that the learning might isn't that what learning should be? If we look at John Dewey, and mm-hmm. we look at the founders of what we call modern education, mm-hmm. even Larry Summers from Harvard University when he was the president, there's something to the learning journey, and I think we've lost that. The hmm. same way mixed martial arts lost the spirituality of Shaolin, and now it's I get a hundred thousand dollars for busting somebody up. And yeah, it's not that I'm dissing mixed martial arts. I understand if I was young, I would be interested. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more interesting than boxing. But they lost everything that came okay with the martial arts. Yeah. Like herbs and acupuncture and Qigong and meditation. So I think in education, we've lost what Dewey uh, or Abraham Maslow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you took psychology, but you learn about self-actualization, and it would be 10 minutes. Well, he wrote huge books on what he meant by that. Yeah. So I do have some follow-up
0: questions. And I'm just going to – so I'm going to just make a note for our listeners that a lot of what you just said, David, is – our terms and uh, scholars that come from the field of um, educational, you know, educational research and design. And it has, you know, the last hundred, 150 years. So we can link to those in our show notes. You can do some more research. Yeah, for sure. But um, I recognize the name. Some of our listeners might not. What's what I, what I want to get to, I think is the difference between, I think a spiritual journey and maybe, maybe how you might target that kind of experience in the design process versus what, you're doing as a game designer when you're kind of orchestrating the emotional experience.
4: Yeah, so what's, yeah. the,
0: what's the difference and what's the relationship between the emotional and the spiritual journey? I would say
4: the spiritual journey in game design is an understanding of ancient civilizations, a little bit. Just hmm. have a peruse. You know, there was the Indo-Tibetan, the Chinese, and the Mesopotamian civilization. Okay. And what did early mankind do? And then how of that comes to appreciation and study of mythology? Hmm. So out of mythologies, we can propel people towards those eudaimonic questions. And eudaimonia is another word similar to metanoia that came from Socrates, and Aristotle Plato referred to it, which means a flourishing in life. Okay. So I think flourishing in life where you have task purpose and you have pleasure, hmm. and those both are linked together, would be a eudaimonic state hmm. that comes out of a work of seniors. And what do you do when you've got a limited time to live Well, you have a eudaimonic? as we all have limited time. Mm-hmm. So I think that I would build profoundly using mythological structures. so I switch from mm-hmm. Norse to Hawaiian to Filipino mythologies, and I extract or create my own mythological characters based on archetypal patterns we see again and again, virgin births.
0: Okay, yeah. you're talking about story, yeah, these are the, um, the archetypal stories, I think one of the things that resonates for me when you're talking about that is like Kurt Vonnegut's Shape of Stories, if you remember, I think it was like a rejected master's thesis, mm-hmm. You're talking about structures that are found in storytelling in myths um, in kind of like the underlying social awareness mm. um, that are that appear in many different cultures. You're finding mm. those structures, those narrative structures, and then you're building a game world on top of that. yeah,
4: okay and we're borrowing where we need to to tell the story properly. okay and sometimes that involves stepping into risky areas yeah you yeah. Know? Like, we base all our games in planet Earth. A lot of game designers, to avoid stigmatization, invent a, a, a continent called, you know, Euphor mm-hmm. And now there's an outbreak of disease in Hula mm-hmm. Because you don't want to imply if there was an outbreak of drug addiction and it was in Africa, then everyone walks away thinking Africans are drug addicts. Yeah. That's too simplistic. That's underestimating your viewer. People are educated. Mm-hmm. They know. It's more interesting for me. It seems that we, we never use an articulate storyline cartoon character. We get real photos that mm-hmm. we pay for through license and Photoshop what we need to to look like real people because I don't care what happens to a little cartoon. Yeah. I'll smash it for fun because it annoys me. Mm-hmm. But I do care if I see a child's face or a mm-hmm. person's face. And then we give a little backstory on that person so that you actually care. You can know other people in your life that are like it. So I think there is that level of filmmaking yeah, in storytelling as in filmmaking. But using a mythological cunt, which is what we're trying to get at today, And if you talk about transformation, you would have to have a term of reference. Otherwise, you become a vague new age educational proponent. And I Hmm. don't fault them that. There are people that just kind of appeal to people that like gems and crystals and, you know. Crystals are pretty, and that's cool. Juice fasting in Arizona and Sedona. (laughs) There's that kind of thing. But I think we're looking for something deeper because we're trying to learn like how to take care of people where if you screw up, people die. So yeah. medical education and things that... So can you bring mythological structure into that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then that gives higher task purpose. Because you say, why did I even go to this profession at all? Why am I not just a barista? It pays more money. I'm hmm. a personal support worker cutting nails of 90-year-old people that are in pain. Why don't I just go work for $90 an hour as a developer? Yeah. There's some reason we're called. Yeah. And I think the calling can be materialistic. And I think that leads to a world that's horrifying. Or I think the calling can become altruistic, mm-hmm. where whatever your spiritual journey is, everything you do tries to heal or repair pain in the world. And I would amplify this briefly, and I'm going to do it really quick, because I think if I'm monologuing, I don't think we're talking anymore. <laughs> so I respect that, and I don't, yeah. I'm more interested in the things you're raising. But i just raised quickly Pete Singer's, Peter mm-hmm. Singer's 1972 paper on altruism and hunger. Hmm. It's a really controversial paper. Okay. And it lists for a philosophical argument that no one has been able to refute since 72. Hmm. He's known for his work with PETA, for
0: example. Yeah.
4: yeah. But this is his work as a philosopher. Okay, so proposition number one, pain, suffering, misery, and death for humans is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. That should not exist. If we accept that proposition, then we must accept the second proposition that follows from that, If we have the resources to alleviate pain and suffering, we must do them. Mm -hmm. It follows from the first proposition. The third proposition that he lays down, if you take those resources and use them for anything other than healing the world, you are committing evil. And that's the controversy that begins. People say, well, are we not entitled to a single luxury? Peter Singer would say, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. Not until everybody's fed and housed. Mm -hmm. When we've got that sorted, then we'll talk about BMWs. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, does your car get you, then keep it on the road. But it goes beyond that. It's the point, you know, mm-hmm. saying that we are really, that we're actually committing evil. And then he deals with two other problems, that of uh, the other and uh, locality. Okay. And locality has to do with the fact that in the past we'd say, oh, they're getting slaughtered in Africa in the war of the Congo, mm-hmm. which is one of the most brutal wars that most people didn't even follow for the past 30 years. Right. A quarter of a million people lost their lives in the Congo war. Brutally. <laughs> yeah, it was a sexual violence Stories are too sickening to relate. Yes. So this is going on. So we have that kind of evil in the world, but that's in Africa. And I'm here, and I can't do much because it's there. Well, no, Peter Singer says, "Uh uh-uh, we have mass media. Mm -hmm. You're there. Mm -hmm. And the other one is the other. If you and I are walking and we see a child drowning in a pond, who has the obligation to save them? Well, you go and you pull them out with a couple of friends. Well, I don't need the help because they've got it, so I'm going to go to work now. Uh Uh-uh. He says, no, you go to that pond too. Mm-hmm. You, the other is no excuse for lack of obligation. Where you end up in mm-hmm. is a space where every time you're taking more than you need, you're committing evil. Mm-hmm. And no one has been able, no philosopher, all oh, there's been a in 72, mm-hmm. them, but no one's really hole in it. Mm-hmm. So if that is your basis for designing games, it changes everything. And even some people in business might hate your message. Because so they're about profitability, mm-hmm. but you could also argue profitability raises the standard of living. This is something the Palestinians desperately need. I hate to read into it, mm-hmm. but if Palestinians have better economic opportunity, they get out from under Hamas' thumb because Hamas has imprisoned them since two thousand and six. Right. So we know that economic development, so selling Mercedes, can be a holy act. Right. It's not what you do; it's how you do it.
0: Yeah, and I say right not that I necessarily agree, but that I'm following. I'm following the logic of that particular line of thinking. So I, I don't want to yeah. get too far into that. No, no, right? No, because we're not a philosophy podcast. Yeah, but everything yeah. connects to everything else. Yeah. So I want to come back to two things. First of all, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> first of all, an observation, and this is an observation for me as a um, someone with an instructional design background, someone who was a teacher long, like in mm. ages past. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm too, maybe not old enough to be able to say ages past, but I'm gonna I'm gonna own it because it feels sometimes like I'm mm. old enough to say ages past. Anyway. Um, and that is okay. We always start like an instructional project by looking at Bloom's um, cognitive taxonomy. Mm-hmm. It's arranged like a pyramid. It's got the things on the top and it's got mm-hmm. the things on the bottom. You can break it down and say it's not always so nice and cut and dry. But what's really interesting to me is that the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, is also arranged the same way. And no one has ever encouraged me. I think until this moment, until mm-hmm. this particular conversation. To look at both pyramids at the beginning of a conversation uh-huh. and ask that question, like, okay, client, you want to train people to do this. How are we tap into the? Um, and I might not use the word spiritual in a corporate context, but maybe how do we self-actualization tap self actualization? Does get us through exactly.
4: into the convo? Yeah, using a needs based theory, exactly, of Maslow, which we kind of buy into as educators.
0: Well, and it, so it taps think, into motivation, yeah. right? How are you know one of the things? It, one of the things that is fundamentally motivating is something that is intrinsically meaningful. So, where is our intrinsic meaning coming from in this particular project? So that's what I'm going to take away from this.
4: No, bring to my job. What I like is our conversation where we're really going to unpack this stuff because it gets fired around too quickly, and you go, "Yeah, yeah, I know, no, no, you don't know." Uh, <laughs> and so, um, I think you're absolutely right. The superimposition of it.
0: Okay. So there was a lot of ideas in there. There were a lot of ideas in there. Um and the only thing I really want to double click on is the idea of this of metanoia mm-hmm. being this kind of transformation of the of a person um in more of a spiritual sense and not a religious sense like David said um but in a spiritual sense. And so I think the thing that I took away from um this conversation was the idea that just like I would plan out like the uh the behaviors that I'd want to establish with an instructional game. So like, mm-hmm. these are this is the learning content we need to cover. These are the the behaviors or performances we want to establish. Yeah. Um, kick off like a pattern of behavior in the game and then make sure that it carries on into the person's real life. Mm-hmm. I can also plan out the idea of this like spiritual journey. So like how is the person transformed? Um and I, I'm I want to start looking into that a little bit more. Uh because I think there's space for that in pretty much any game that I want to be building, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of where I, that's what I took away. There's a lot in there. And I think I'm again, going to need some time to process it all. But for me, that's the, that's the piece that rose to the surface was like, this is something I can think about. This is something I can plan for and something I want to want to be more mindful of. Cool. Okay. So next up is my conversation with Rose. Um, And again, this is, she's talking about her program that she runs where you're like learning game mechanics that you can apply to your own life. And uh, let's hear what she has to say. All right, Rose, tell me about yourself.
3: Um, I am a person who has been called a chameleon. Cool. Yeah, I can be multiple different things not necessarily in sequence, sometimes all at once. And I exist everywhere and nowhere. I live online. People ask me, where's my home? And I say my home is right here in my cell phone. I am anywhere my cell phone can make me be.
0: That's flexible. Definitely all fits into the (laughs) idea of a a chameleon. Yes. Okay, cool. So um, preferred pronouns and what brought you to serious play?
3: Um, I am female. Okay. Yes, so that's she. She her. She her. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but I also sometimes I tend to naturally speak on behalf of people who I have, you know, interacted with. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe not in the conventional sense of we, but I use the word we a lot. Okay. 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 Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Serious play. I was brought here by a wonderful person, Valerie Olenek. And Mm -hmm. um, she's my mentor, but also very good friend. We've known each other for a long time. Um, She told me, you have to come here uh, because you will find people of your, our species. And I'm (laughs) like, whoa, when somebody says that, I'm like, okay, (laughs) I got to find out what does she mean. And now it's day three. And I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, so. So she sold it correctly.
0: She, she did. She, she did. I mean, she yeah. got
3: me curious, whatever. And of course, you know, she said, you know, the, the stuff that I'm doing recently uh, will appeal to um, the people at Serious Play. And yeah. I was skeptical, but, but I, wow, it, it, it's amazing. I love, I think I want to come back to this conference. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. No, this is my first year too. And I'm really excited for next year already. I mean, it's day three. Things are kind of winding down. We still have a lot of pizza to eat in the fridge, <laughs> um, but I'm definitely looking forward to next year. So you you did a talk this week, is that yes, correct? Yes, yes. A
3: workshop together with Valerie. Yeah. Uh, it was hands-on. It was a miniature simulation of a program that I developed uh, together with my client slash uh, learning partner, uh, Stefan um, uh, Schmidt, and he's... Stationed in Germany. Okay. So this was for a large multinational robotics company. Whoa! There's so many cool things that you just said. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Which part's cooler? All of I'll it. start with just, that. Just keep going. Tell so, us more. So yeah. um, um, KUKA is the name of the company, and they are huge. I mean, you can go look it up. I'm not going to tell you the background because you can go look that up. Yeah. Okay. K U K A. And um, in a nutshell, at the beginning of COVID, when you know people were forced to work from home, it was an emergency, a worldwide global emergency, Mm -hmm. because people didn't know how to work from home, right? So the transition from being your conventional in-person multinational company that is used to having their top managers and senior leadership fly from one country to another, maybe have a phone call in real time, but it doesn't really work out Mm -hmm. because you've got countries with 18 hours difference. So people don't usually work synchronously from a distance Mm -hmm. Suddenly, with COVID, they had to overnight. Um, So Stefan, who I'm known for a long time, he was at that time sort of the senior manager. But just even the COVID duration has had like multiple um, uh, promotions. So now he's the head of people development. Hmm. So at that time, he called me and said, you know, Rose... You know that weird stuff that we used to do back when we were, you know, um uh together in we we had done some uh, program in Stanford University in online learning back in the day of the MOOCs the massive open online mm-hmm. courses And I said, yeah, that's like, isn't that like outdated now? Nobody wants to hear about the stuff that we used to do back then. And goes, no, 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 (laughs) COVID brought it all back again. And now we need to have everybody in the company understand how this works. So long story short, we did a few experimentations. We did some very radical new designs Um, we gamified the entire thing. But in a nutshell, if I had to say like one sentence or two, no matter what your subject content, no matter what your role, the most critical thing is, are you ready Hmm. to do whatever it is that you're supposed to do? And Hmm. how do you get the individual to be ready? And that's the part. Um, We call it future-proofing yourself. Hmm. Um, We also call it teaching you how to be you or bringing out in yourself how to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that kind of sounds like, oh, okay, this is the soft stuff, the yoga Pilates stuff, you know, and and, and people (laughs) go, yeah, we don't have time to do that. It's like, no, the program we designed was totally gamified. It is still evolving. We have now graduated over 153 people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's significant. It doesn't mean all 153 are developed enough to be independent. Hmm. But the way the program is designed is like any good game. There are levels. Mm -hmm. Just going through it plants the seeds. Yeah. You remember some things. Yeah. And when you see it again, when you hear it again, it goes, oh, that's what they were doing. Even for the people who didn't truly engage. Hmm. But of the 153, 55 people who uh, participated in it, the fact that we've had significant um, evidence of outcome. Hmm. Um, and, and I'll just maybe say a few of them. Number one, yes, there's an actual numerical number of people who keep coming back. So the main program is is a people de- self-development program. Okay. Some people have gone through it for like two weeks. Some people, the longest cohort we had was nine months. And of course, those, the impact is amazing. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we did multiple iterations, experimentation, every iteration is an experiment game in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we've discovered yes, we've hit that minimum um, evidence, so that the company who's invested in this program is like, oh yeah, we're keeping this. In fact, I think for 2024, it's become a standard uh, a requirement. Not requ- cool. well, I guess requirements are a little bit too mandatory sounding, but it is now embedded in their 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 internal training yeah it's kind of other pillars yes exactly and we actually use that word pillars um but we also have now removed it to the next level up where we we have identified that experimentation and Mm. developing further is a core need Mm, okay so Mm. that has made it so gamification has now become like the standard of the learning development in that company. And I know Stefan's very proud of the fact that, you know, we, we were the bleeding edge beyond the cutting edge. Um, we always joke, it's always easier to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, or maybe the other joke is, oh, this is Robin Hood. We're doing things covertly, but openly. Yeah. Um, and that's gamification in itself. Yeah. So in a nutshell, yeah, we future-proof self-leadership. Huh,
0: yeah, okay, so I have so many questions um kind of thinking about it from I, there's probably a lot of people in the podcast audience who don't have like the corporate training background to kind of make sense of why a lot of this is valuable, mm, and just mm-hmm. to give a little bit of context for those folks, like it has historically been very difficult to get good data about whether training is is useful at all, right? You'll put a bunch of people in a room for half a day. You've you know spent and there's no
3: validation. Right, there's there no validation. is absolutely no follow up to figure out right. whether what was delivered was understood mm-hmm. first level, then internalized, yeah, and then applied, applied exactly, and then the application did it have impact? Yeah, and then the feedback loop back. The last part is a feed, feedback loop back so that we know where to fix it, to repeat what was good or to change what didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So these five levels, it's like a game, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the different levels, is never actually carried through. And And this experiment that we did, mm-hmm. we pushed ourselves to actually let's do this. Let's find out whether we can go through all the five levels, including that feedback and mm-hmm. reiteration. And I think for that one, I, I dare say, you know, I'm not like trying to toot our own horn or anything because I'm not the only one who was involved in the design and development. We literally had to work as a team with people who just from the belief that this is going to work mm-hmm. invested in it. And that included the participants themselves. Uh, so yeah, we, we dare say we have found a model now that can do all five levels. That's really cool. So you're talking about levels of evaluation? We're talking about levels of implementation. So the first one, like I said, is to understand what you just learned. Mm -hmm. That's the first. Think of Bloom's taxonomy, right? Levels of learning, right? And then the second one is, did you internalize it? Does it make sense to you in your own context? Mm -hmm. Just because you understood what was told to you or what you experienced in the simulation the second level is, does it make sense to you personally in your own context? Mm-hmm. Is it individualized enough for you? Yeah. Can you make it about you? Mm-hmm. And that is where a lot of programs fall flat. Right. Then even if they're able to do that, these other programs, if it makes sense that examples are, are, are you know, relevant to the, the participant. The third level is, are they able and empowered to apply it in their own job, in their own context? Mm-hmm. And this is not just about gamification, not just about, you know, serious play. It's about any working person. Right. Can you take the knowledge and skill that you have and actually apply it so that it will benefit your job, the people that you are responsible for? Does it bring impact and value to other people? That's mm-hmm. the application. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then the fourth level is, can we measure that? Yeah. Yeah. Can we actually say it has impact? And so we're not measuring um, the understanding. We're not measuring the level of application. We're measuring impact. Did it bring value or in the business, we'll call it ROI, return on investment. Mm-hmm. Did whatever it is that we invested way, way back in the training, is the application impactful to the target people that the investment was meant to be for, which mm-hmm. is, the company or the end user or the end client, or in this case, because it's about self-leadership, did it impact that individual person in that person's individual life? Did the family feel that now my dad or my mom is a better person? Mm -hmm. Did the children of the participants go, oh my God, now after mommy or daddy attended this training program, I actually get to spend more time with my parents because that's some of the stuff that we put in this um, self-leadership future-proofing. Because if you're not a happy human, mm-hmm. if your family isn't happy, you're not going to be productive at work. So right. we deal with even that level. And the last, last part is reiteration. Right. Can we collect that data in such a way that we are not just tooting our own horn, but we are having the spokesperson for the program are actually the people who receive that impact hmm. that's a lot of planning it just seems like it's just like it's the long game if you ever yeah. heard of the term the long game yep, yep. it's the long game. It's long game so i'll give you one small snippet of how we measure that yes we actually managed to do that full loop impact mm-hmm. um, the program itself is called grits and Grace, and that's an acronym you can we'll talk about the acronyms in a little bit okay but after anyone has completed this program, they are then invited to do the practice sessions, which are designed Mm. to be once a month, every month on the last Wednesday of the month. Okay. And those practice sessions, it's voluntary, you come back. And during that very short 90 minute session online, and this is worldwide for people, right? And during those sessions, that we actually open it up to the public. Mm. Yeah, that's the best part. And so, you know, Here's a little snippet. You're welcome to join. The next one is October 25th. We can talk about that later. Okay. Um, so during the last session, um, last year, we opened up during Christmas, and we said, let's experiment. So bring a family member. Hmm. So not only did the the graduates the participants come back for this once a month thing, we invited them as said for that session, and we will make it child friendly. We'll make it you know whatever friendly and appropriate, and we'll blur out the children's faces if you wish. You know, whatever we, yeah. we we made sure the technology was in place. And what we did was we had sort of a round robin. It's like, what do you feel? Whatever it's like. So one of the main questions and we had the children participate is like, so how does it feel being online with you know mommy or daddy or whatever? Um, and talking to it's like, and one of the uh, young participants, um, <laughs> it was, I, I literally was in tears because it was the best gift of evidence that whatever it is that we're doing is working. Mm-hmm. Um, so this young girl said, Yeah, this is so cool. You know, previously, you know, that you we, we I never knew what my mom was doing at work, whatever, and she just spoke off the cuff. But just knowing that. And if that third party person during that spiel of whatever was being said, we caught vocabulary that this child was using it's like there is no way that this child would know that yeah. word if they hadn't been talking if they hadn't been yeah. talking about it over the dinner table and so that was just you know i got goosebumps and it's like we are making a difference that's very cool um so that's what i mean by the fifth piece the the feedback, the loop. feedback loop yeah yeah and how do you design programs that can provide you these snippets mm-hmm. a feedback loop so that you know yeah now we need to like really have confidence in in what we're delivering. That's yeah. the gamification side yeah. of it, I think. I, th- I think that makes sense because on multiple levels, right, one is like
0: programs that programs that teach someone how to do a skill. I mean, depending on how difficult the skill is, you can go from like a couple hours to multiple years, right? But when you're talking about something that is changing kind of uh, self-perception and also like cultural practices in an organization, you really have to talk about something that's like you said, the long game. You're looking at oh, something yeah. that's almost longitudinal, right? You have to go- Because the product
3: exactly. is you. The right.
0: product is the person. Right, exactly. And you're always working on that, right? You, it never develop, it never ends. It just, you just decide when you're going to stop and no one really wants to stop changing and growing as a person. So the really, the project never ends. You're going to continue on it forever. So I think that makes sense what you're talking about. And it also makes sense to look into, you know, game mechanics as one way to help organize that kind of program because that's all about motivation and also kind of revealing meaning um, via, like, systematic and mechanical patterns. So I'm curious if we can maybe make that question maybe a little bit more te- little less technical, a little less game designy. How does play factor into how you've designed this program? Like, where are your, where, what kind of
3: gamification are you using and what kinds of effects do we have? That's a perfect question. And um, so you used the word mechanics just now. So mm-hmm. when I mentioned the five levels, that would be a mechanical thing, right? This right. is how it was delivered and how it was structured, how the game was created so that we identified the levels mm-hmm. um, and then how we measured the different levels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's go into content because when you say How do we make it into play? So the definition of play is got to be fun. It's got to be something enjoyable. There's got to be this level of joy. So the program is called Grit and Grace. Mm. Um, Of course, I'm I'm also known as the queen of acronyms. So let me see if I can even remember. Mm -hmm. Grit, uh, uh, G-R-I-T, growth, resilience, uh, 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 interpersonal, you know, and no, that's not true. Let me take that back. I think we named the grit as being um, um, global relations and inter- international teams hmm. because we had to appeal to the, um, the corporate world. I mean, and this right. is, you know, so gro- you know, global relations, in- in- international teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a program. That relates to us. Yeah. Right. So so even the naming of the program was part of this sort of, you know, how do you get that hook in? Yeah. Corporations also love acronyms. So <laughs> it makes sense on multiple fronts. Right. Yeah. And then and then it's so it's grit and grace. Okay. So and is acquiring, nurturing, and developing. So every single everything piece. Is S, okay. <laughs> okay. We, have to, we have to rethink everything. So that's also, you know, in play, how do you get the hook in? But then also how do you get the process in so just even thinking through the name of the program was part of that mission statement development okay Mm -hmm. and getting the client to to say okay i'm i'm on board and then grace grace so why grit we chose the word grit because that's that's what you need to develop yourself Mm -hmm. but then just being grit and you know oh i can do this that's not enough so we said what's the opposite of grit it's grace then you have to figure okay let's do the acronym for grace let's figure this out that's when growth resilience you know accountability and collaboration and e for empowerment you know mm. so um so so that's just even the creation of the name we had to figure out a way to symbolize things so that's that and then how do you um make the play be joyful is we created content That is joyful. So I'm going to put that on hold for a second because I just wanted to say the other piece of the mechanics of gamification is you've got to have a prize, a symbol of prize. So we, and I think I'll out from my bag you can't see because this is a podcast <laughs> but you know we had things like trophies so this is one this was a different program under the same um program so we created little trophies yeah, it's a cool like a water, water bottle, bottle and, and you know i did the graphics for that and all that oh. so gave you did fight, the graphics for this uh, Yeah, i did the graphics you for are that. a chameleon this <laughs> uh, that's another story if we have time i'll tell you about my oh. personal growth uh, <clears throat> but let's go back to great and grace so the play aspect of that Um, we needed to say, okay, how can we make this personal? How can we make this immediately something that people want to do because they can see the impact in themselves? So we came up with a module called Daily Dose. Hmm. Maybe you've heard of this thing called hormones and the happy hormones. So Mm -hmm. D is dopamine, O is oxytocin, S is serotonin, and E is endorphin. So we actually start the program by saying, do you guys have your daily dose? And some people kind of like, you know, look at you. It's like, oh, okay, here it is. This is another one of those like programs that's going to tell you to, I got to do my yoga in the morning, blah, 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 blah. But we gamify that. Long story short, people will want to get their dose in when they do this program. Mm -hmm. Um, The little workshop that we did here at Serious Play, we kind of miniaturized what was like a nine month program into like 90 minutes, really hard to do. So we kind of just did snippets. Um, but the one of the success stories that I love sharing people during the corporate program, one of the most amazing evidence of, of learning that we got was one of the team's they took the challenge of the daily dose. So daily dose just means you pick something that you're going to do daily. Hmm. And by hook or by crook, you're going to do it every day. Of course, everyone's going to fail because they they target something so big. So whatever. And by day three, they're like, you know, I skipped today. And then by like week two, it's like, right. And and then they do it just like, you know, like half an hour before the next session so that they can tell the coach me, you know, like, yeah, we did it. It's like, so. I always remind people, this is daily dose, not 30 minutes before the next session dose. Mm -hmm. It's can you be truthful to yourself? So the whole thing is about being truthful to yourself. You are you. Can you be you 24-7, 365? And it's just so simple. Do something. So this one team that was the most amazing thing, they actually fulfilled all the different game challenges, do it for yourself, do it for your family, do it for your workplace, do it for your team.
4: Hmm. And they
3: came up with the idea, they're going to convert whatever it is that they do into miles. Because they had people hmm. in Hungary, they had people in Germany, they had people in the US, they had people in Sydney. And so this like that team, they said, we are going to convert whatever we do Daily dose, they created this really complex spreadsheet because one of them does spreadsheets for a living. And (laughs) they, they, and then they connected their whatever Fitbit, whatever technology person, you know, and, and calculated. And they said, okay. And on this spreadsheet, it was like the scorecard and it became this really cool thing for themselves. And it became so cool because they said, we're going to walk from the furthermost location on the globe to the furthermost locations we're going to walk to sydney to meet up with our team member and everybody contributed miles to the spreadsheet and Mm. then during the game i challenged them it's like oh this is so cool it's like i'm going to join in and and then all of a sudden it wasn't just their team so then their team became the entire cohort and then the entire court is like this is so cool then i said you know let's make this public and so the homework assignments, which was, you know, do selfie videos, share in the intranet, whatever. We said, let's do this in the next brave space, which is that monthly thing mm-hmm. that I mentioned. We're going to go public. So then we invited anybody to join in. Hmm. And so then it became this global thing. Let's all walk to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And huh. it was just the dopamine fix you get from it. Like I said, DOS, yep. right? The, the dopamine fix that they got from it was amazing. And it, huh. it's just. You know, it, it's, have you ever seen that movie, Pay It Forward or, you know, oh, spray? Yeah. So So it really became something like that. Huh. So the
0: program that you're describing is basically a way to teach people how to frame their own goals and challenges mm-hmm. in ways that make them easier to execute on consistently or do well. Um, and stay accountable and stay accountable to themselves and a lot of this I mean essentially a lot of this, the tools that you're giving them are that's gamification what you just talked
3: about like, right but they're simple things yes,
0: simple gamification strategies that you can just apply without having
3: to pull up an app or find the exact no, app no no there is right. actually very low tech and, yeah. and whatever level of tech that people felt comfortable with yeah that's what we worked with even yeah. people who refuse to use technology thought, like, okay fine write it on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and then like you know, ten minutes before you come on the next session that that they're officially in the program, take a picture of it and upload it to the private, you know, group chat. Mm-hmm. So some people were worried about being public, you know, and and you know, some of the people who were in the program are of the most senior, highest rank in the company. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, there's also that protocol thing. You know, it's like okay. They're willing to be known that they endorse the program, but then, you know, maybe it's not so cool Mm -hmm. or safe feeling to know that they're, they're actually one of the students this round, mm, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so I had to be very cautious and careful. So, there are some participants in the program who did it very one on one. And there's some people in the program who did it. Yeah, we're in a cohort of a hundred people who are going to participate in this two hour program online. And it's absolutely public and open. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that we did not limit the delivery mechanisms. So, we, we, we went from your conventional 15 people in a cohort, you're going to be in this cohort for two weeks, blah, 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 to um, everything under the sun goes.
0: Okay. Um, I've tried lots of gamification apps. I think I mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Meh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just the general grade of the genre.
0: Well, they just don't, they're just not very deep. Yeah. You know, so like they're, they're superficial in a way. There's there's one that I've um, started using that's kind of like, I don't remember the name of it. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's like a routine generator. So like you set up a routine and it helps you estimate how much time it's going to take. And I'm really bad at estimating time, mm-hmm. um, just in general. You guys know I'm late to everything. Um, and it's not, <laughs> I really do try, just I'm really bad at estimating time. Um, and so I'm trying to get better at that. And this is one thing that helps me get better at that. And so it's got some mechanics around like completion and consistency. Um, And usually, and that's mostly around like visualizing completion and consistency and the size of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really the only ones I've ever stuck to for more than like a week or two at a time. Because the other ones are really just shallow. It's like, it's gamifying something, like gamifying walking. I think there was a game called Walker that I did and it's like, You walk a lot of distance, and then you walk the distance to the next fake planet, and you colonize that planet, and then when you run out of planets planet, it's just gone. You know, like, that's the end of the content until they make more. What interests me about Rose's work is that the meaning, like, she's prompting people, from what I understand, she's prompting people to come up with their own story that they're gamifying yeah, so uh, like she's not giving you like a here's a game and now you just plug your own life into it yeah she's saying here are mechanics that work and these are your tools now create a system that will work for you um and then she's there as part of this program to like coach you through it and to for to connect you with other people who've who are on a similar journey um and so it's it sounds really individualized and I think that's really interesting and um I don't know if I'm gonna have the chance in the near future to go through that and sample her program but she did mention in the talk that she does these like monthly brave spaces where people come in and talk about what they're what they're working on um and i think those those are open to the public so i might drop in and see what that's about
1: cool yeah
0: cool beans mm-hmm.
1: well i mean that's a lot for one episode so we save some for next week
0: yes so that's our show for show notes and links for this special episode Go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on social media at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts about game dev resources and pogomoyo, a game with cats?
1: I'm just prefacing it. That tracks. It's about cats, yeah. Oh, it's cats. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dale's on threads now, and so far it's just cats. Yep. But, um, you know, follow us.
0: So I should really say that sentence, like, where Dale posts about cats and eventually game dev resources.
1: I think we should continue to phrase it aspirationally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if people want to cry, you know, uh, um, misleading advertising. Get in line. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I think cats are a
1: game dev resource. Fair enough. Okay.
0: All right. So you can reply on the various platforms, threads of which is one, or you can email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and talk about cats. Next week, we'll have my interview with Jennifer Javornik. But that's it for this week.
1: So, until we start again, remember to Play nice
0: and make nice.
1: You're gonna leave in the really long pause before you say "cozy." That's up to the editor. You are the editor. the editor.
0: That's up for, to the editor, me next week. Okay. <laughs> I need to get. I'm gonna go grab a coke. Do you because... have a message for yourself later. Do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna get a soda. Okay. I'm gonna get a pop from the fridge. All right. Soda. What the hell? It says
2: soda. I do. I do.
0: No, I only. I'm only picking up one thing from you. <laughs> <laughs>